0: started. The clock has started.
1: Welcome to this week's Smallscast podcast. The podcast is designed for small government contractors, service providers, and manufacturers as part of the government contractor ecosystem, connecting people, organizations, and resources. I'm your host, Just Nate, and this week on our Smallcast podcast, we have the founder and owner of Mungad. Oh, sorry. You're going to have to help me, Perry. So I've got Perry Rarick here. What's the name of your company, Perry?
0: Mungadai.
1: Okay, try it one more time. Mungadai. Mungadai. I apologize for butchering That's that, right. but uh, okay, I've got it now. Mungadai. So, welcome, Perry. Welcome here. We're uh, recording here out of uh, Water Tower Place, downtown Pueblo. So, uh, I don't know if this is your first time downtown Pueblo or not, or are you? Uh, where are you based?
0: So, I live in Colorado Springs. I've been to Pue- uh, Pueblo before, but I've never been to this Water Tower Place, and I got to tell you, it's very cool. It this is, is uh, one of those old historic buildings that's been modernized and uh, repurposed a bit. And it's just a very cool setting. So. And
1: it's only about 30% done. So yeah. there's a, over a quarter million square feet here. And uh, I can't wait till um, we see what's going to happen here in the future. So, um, But we're not here to talk about Water at Place. We are here to talk about your company. So um, first of all, just kind of just give me a... I guess two sentence blurb on what what your company is and what they do.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're a marketing firm, and uh, but maybe not in the traditional sense. So about a year and a half ago, I was working at ab uh, B two B business to business media company. Um, I had been there for about a decade, and I uh, had a number of clients. And one of the biggest issues they had, one of the biggest challenges, was they wanted to do content marketing. They wanted to completely immersed themselves in that, but just didn't know how to do it. And I thought, you know, talking to enough of them, I thought, well, if I started a firm, could I help you do that better? And that's what Mungadai Marketing does.
1: Okay. So you you mentioned content marketing, um, business to business, media company, you you kind of had stated. Uh, Tell me what that is. So imagine I don't know much about media, which I don't. I'm just a dumb engineer. So uh, tell me what that is.
0: Well, it, you're not alone, uh, not in being a dumb engineer, but in, in certainly not understanding the B2B world. Before I got into it, I never knew it existed. Uh, so, But if you think about the average business, they're, they're dealing, it, it's not just a consumer world. That's what we hear most about. Uh, but, um, but businesses do business with other businesses, providing them services and products Uh, in order to be successful, and they're partnerships. They tend to be looked at as partnerships. Uh, It's a very complex world. Some of the sales processes are very long, uh, takes a long time to build the trust and build those relationships, and that's essentially the B2B marketing world.
1: Okay, so do you focus on, does B&B focus mainly on large businesses, small businesses,
0: or all the above? Of all sizes,
1: Okay, yeah. so obviously everybody needs some, some, some level of marketing, right? I mean, to get your name out there, you have to, people have to know your name somehow.
0: Exactly. And, uh, and so that is uh, what we try to do is help. Uh, it's complex. Uh, there are a lot of different types of businesses out there providing different services. And you have to be clear as to what you bring to the, ta- bring to the table. Uh, and the clearer you can be and the more valuable uh, you can articulate that, Uh, you're going to attract the right types of customers and partnerships.
1: Okay. So when you say attract the right types, you know, things have changed nowadays, right? I mean, every day marketing communication, the way we, you know, interact with one another, especially now in 2020, um, it's completely different um, from now to what it was even a year ago. So talk to me about marketing and, and communication nowadays.
0: Yeah. So I'll go back even further. I'm going to go, I'll go a little deeper into that. Uh, so in the 1970s, (laughs) Alvin Toffler (laughs) in his book, The Third Wave described what we're experiencing right now, which is we're overwhelmed with information. Uh, we are, uh, maybe, you know, short on insights, really high on all the information we're just getting bombarded with. Uh, so, uh, that is, a, is kind of the, the world we live in. Add to that is our, our, our workforce is becoming more knowledge based versus, you know, if you think about the information age versus the industrial age. The industrial age, uh, the, you know, uh, valued uh, processes, efficiency, people doing very specific things, uh, redundancy. The information age uh, values uh, trust, uh, reasoning, people who can work independently, initiative. Uh, And so when you couple that type of workforce with all of the the technology and all the information that we're bombarded with, that workforce has become very savvy. Well, that workforce is also our customers; those are the people who are going to buy our services and products. So, engaging that person in a way so that they're attracted and interested in what you have to offer is not the same old uh, Mad Men uh, type uh, scenario. If you're familiar with the Netflix uh, series, yeah.
1: So, okay, uh, I'm gonna okay. So, a couple things. I'm gonna unpack a couple things here. So, I'm not young. I'm not old. Um, so you mentioned Albert Tofer's book back in the 70s. So that was a little before my time. But I, I will say I'm also, you know, I'm not a uh, millennial or anything like that. But, you know, I remember when you say there's so much data nowadays, right? I mean, I remember in high school, I graduated high school in 1997. And I remember looking at a magazine. Now, people don't even know magazines are nowadays, right? but they were selling a computer with a 10 gigabyte hard drive. And I remember to this day having a conversation with one of my professors about what in the world would anybody need a 10 gig hard drive for? You could fit the entire internet on that. Now in 1997, you probably could have, right now I can't fit, you know, 500 pictures of my children on a 10 gig hard drive at my full quality of photos. Um, So just how to keep up with that. That's my biggest problem, right? I mean, you talk about industrial age. So I'm, I, as we mentioned before, I'm, I'm a classically trade, trained engineer. Um, that's my undergrad. And I'm, I'm very big on, on processes. Um, Kaizen theory, constant improvement to those processes. I'm not, I'm not the old school saying we have a process and we're going to do this because it's the way we've always done it. Um, I'm all about making changes, right? If it's not working out today, change it. Right to something that is going to work out. So, how do you how do you do that now in the marketing information age? Because you you talked about information age, trust is very important. Every morning I get up, I have a cup of coffee, and I watch five or six different. I I literally go to YouTube, type in, or I see what's trending, and then I'll look at five or six different news sources just to see, you know, if somebody's talking what they're talking about. My problem I've got with that is there's no trust at all. I don't trust anybody anymore. Literally. I mean, back in the 80s growing up, you turn on one of the five stations you got and it didn't matter which news station it was. It was reported the same story. Now they're at 180 degree opposite of it. So kind of talk to me about that. How do you how do you how do you trust anybody and how do you trust in the
0: marketing side? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, you mentioned that computer. We're carrying those around in our pockets now. You know, everybody has access to whatever they want, whenever they want right. it. Uh, so uh, the context I, I put that in, every, uh, every business, every business leader, every marketer has a, a targeted buyer in mind, okay? And that buyer goes through a journey. That's what I call it. I, I'm not alone when I describe that. Uh, the buyer is in charge, uh, is in charge of that, that journey. He drives it or she drives it. Uh, 60 to 70% of that journey is complete before the buyer ever reveals themselves to the seller. So we're all being shopped. Sure. Okay. Uh, which has to, which is getting at that trust issue. So if you think about how we go about uh, buying a car, very common, you know, we're coming onto that, that, uh, that uh, automobile lot. Much more informed than we were 30 or 40 years ago. More informed than
1: the seller is. The seller doesn't like that. No, they don't. I I, I actually have fun with them usually. Because if if you're going to earn my business for a $50,000 vehicle, if you lie to me one time, I'm going to go to your neighbor and buy the car from them, right? Right. That's the way it works.
0: So every buyer's journey is the same. Uh, There's 60 to 70% of that journey being completed before they ever reveal themselves to the seller. So. Uh, the early buyer's journey is uh, is kind of what we were talking about a little little bit ago. You were describing, boy, I, I like to do the research. I like to I like to learn as much as I can about whatever I'm going to pursue, uh, and I'm going to do it now with all these digital uh, uh, with all the the digital platforms are available to, available to us. Uh, we can do that without letting everybody know who we are. So we're investigating people, we're researching, we're gathering all that information. Um, The other thing, I'm very intentional when I use the word journey. It's not a process. A process um, is more defined. We know where the end is gonna be. A journey is, you know, we're gonna go at different speeds at different times. Uh, We're gonna make wrong turns. We're gonna get lost, okay? Um, especially in the early stages. Because if you think of the average business owner, and I'm thinking of that business to business relationship, um, that average business owner is always trying to figure out how can I be better? How can my operations run more smoothly? Uh, What are the market availabilities to me? Where should should I be uh, guiding my business? And so they're always in that information gathering space. So as a seller, you could be in that space with them and helping them. So when they make a wrong turn, you could be there to get them back on track with the content you're providing them. Uh, If they get lost, you can help them out a little bit with the content, uh, but gear that early content uh, towards whatever their needs are.
1: Okay. So kind of walk me through the process. So, So you say it's a journey, which by the way, I absolutely love that terminology. Right. Um, I, one of my favorite sayings, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? My wife and I have, if I have differing opinions, sometimes when we go on vacation, I love doing a long road trip, right? If you get me in the car for 15, 18 hours, uh, she has different idea about that right. with three kids and everything else. But, uh, she's like, I just want to get to our destination. I'm like, yeah, but I, we want to have got to see the dead animals along the road or whatever, you know, whatever you're seeing. Um, so, I love that statement. And I love the way you use that word journey as opposed to process because process, you know, processes are really driven for repeatability. And in your field is specifically marketing contents. It, it's going to be a different journey for every single person. It's going to be different every single time. Now, the background and the platforms that you use might be the same. You know, there's only so many platforms out there right now, unless you constantly invent a new one for every single person. But we all know that doesn't work that way. So kind of walk me through that process. If I'm a small business, you know, like one of our listeners out there and is in the need for somebody to help them out with their marketing, right? Get their product to market or um, matter of fact, I, I can think of very specific people here in the building that are, we're currently in the middle of trying to get a brand new product to market. So in that case, what should they do? I mean, how, you know, Walk, walk us through that process.
0: Yeah, so people uh, I work with generally get tired of me saying the buyer's journey. I'm always referring to the buyer's journey. Where's the buyer at? Uh, so you know, if you think about, uh, you were talking about trust earlier, and and you know, if you really engage that buyer throughout their journey, including that key sixty to seventy percent, you're going to build trust, and you're going to increase uh, the opportunities to actually close business. Uh, with them. So in that early buyer's journey, they're just looking to uh, to learn something, to become better. How do I make my business better? They typically begin with a problem. They may recognize that they have a problem. Uh, so, uh, let's say, uh, I'm a, uh, so let's say I'm a, so let's say I'm a company that has a, a network, okay? And somebody in my company said, you know, I, I think I was hacked, okay? So you go, okay, tell me a little bit about the hacking. Well, I'm starting to get emails from myself. My friends are telling me they're getting emails from me. I, you know, huh, yeah, that sounds a little alarming. Well, let me, okay, that sounds like a problem. Let me go online. Let me start doing some research to figure out, you know, how could I solve that problem? That's at the very beginning of the buyer's journey. So if you were somebody who, is, uh, who can solve that problem for them, Let's say you are, uh, you're able to put up some firewalls, you're able to, you have some, uh, uh, some advanced programs to be able to detect those types of intrusions uh, without the intruder being notified and identify who they are, protect yourself. So you probably want to write some articles about that problem, uh, general ways to solve that problem without being too overly promotional. Because if you can provide that advice, give some guidance to that person who's recognized a problem. Now you're starting to build a trusting relationship uh, with that person. Okay. Uh, I would also add that a lot of the digital platforms that you mentioned before, the the various places that we can place content uh, to try to attract. And I'm I'm very intentional about saying attract. If you're chasing customers, you're you're flip it around. I would encourage people to flip it around. You want to attract the right customers. So on those digital platforms, uh, they have an incredible uh, capability on determining who's engaging with your content uh, when, uh, and you can uh, you can connect a lot of dots and learn about uh, your customers, your prospects, and why they're coming to you.
1: Okay, so on that note, I'm going to end this just for a quick commercial break here, Um, but if you build it, they will come. So stick with us just in a couple more minutes. We'll be right back with you guys. We're going to talk with Perry and continue on the buyer's journey. This podcast is brought to you by Chaffa, the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority. Since 1974, Chaffa has strengthened Colorado by investing in community development and affordable housing. Chaffa's community development team partners with lenders across the state to offer the financing you need to grow your business. Talk to your local lender about Chaffa's cash collateral support program, which helps small and medium-sized businesses access capital that would otherwise be unavailable due to collateral shortfalls. To learn more, visit chfainfo.com. Okay, welcome back to this week's Small Smallscat Podcast. Uh, this week, we've got Perry Rarick with us, uh, the founder and owner of Mungadai Marketing. Hey, I Excellent. got it right this time. <laughs> Yay. Um, so anyway, uh, before we left uh, for break there, we uh, were talking about the buyer's journey. journey. And I think, um, Perry, you were walking us through that journey. We just started with the, uh, the early part of the journey, trying to find the buyer's problem. Um, so I'm going to let you pick it up from there go ahead continue on your journey.
0: Sure. Let's go back to the, to the case study. Uh, I've got a small business, I've got a network and I think I've got some intrusions into my network and I'm concerned about my, uh, security. Um, and so I'm starting to investigate that starting with my problem. Boy, okay. I've confirmed that I have that problem. Um, and then now I'm going to start turning to, okay, well, what are some ways I can, I can solve that problem? Okay, so maybe I look at some technology products. I get a little confused. I'm not a, you know, that's not my area of expertise. I'm getting a little overwhelmed. Well, could I reach out to some experts who could provide a service, who could come in and and do this for me? So I look for that and I'm looking for case studies. How has this problem been solved in the past? And I'm looking at explanations uh, on how that was done. Okay, now I can meet with my team, Uh, I can say, you know, I've confirmed we've got some intrusions. I've got some ideas. I think it's beyond our capabilities, and I'm thinking we need a service provider, a consultant to come in and help us set this straight. So now I'm starting to formulate some uh, criteria to select somebody who can actually do this for me. I'm probably thinking of budgeting. How much do I have to pay for this? How much uh, should I invest in solving this problem? Uh, And so now I'm starting to form that up. If you are the seller who's been engaged with that buyer through all of those key milestone decisions that they're making, you've just increased your opportunities to close business with them. You don't want to be the seller that comes in at the end after they've established their budget, figured out the criteria. If you're one of the product providers and this person has decided to go with a consultant service, you're not even on the table. You're not even being considered. Uh, But if you're one of the consultants and you come in at that point, now you've almost become a commodity. You are in a head-to-head battle with other consultancies that this buyer believe, they believe they can do the same thing. But if you're the person that's been giving them helpful advice throughout that journey, you have an inside track. You're probably number one on their list. You know, so let's call this person. They're a good consultant. I've been reading their stuff for a month. It's been really helpful, and then let's talk to see some of these other guys too. But really, this is the person we really are interested in.
1: So it's kind of the reason why a lot of the consultants will give you a free assessment, right? Yes. Hey, <laughs> let me give me, let me give it. Come in, talk with you, get you a free asses- assessment. Really, what they're doing is they're coming in and they're they're not only giving you assessment of whatever they're asking for, they're also assessing you now, right? They're getting their name in front of the decision makers. I, I've been there, right? I've, I've, I've been on the end of choosing a consultant, and that's exactly what I've been doing. At the same time, I'm taking notes on my side saying, okay, this guy, they said they would do this, 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 and then I'm now take comparing notes because I'm usually going to want to do more than one, right, to see who's going to usually give the best value. And it's not always about the lowest price, and that's why I use the terminology best value, right? And And to me, that's very important for that small business. More important than anything else is... Who's, who's going to be the most bang for my buck? So it might cost me more over here, but they're going to give me double or whatever. So go ahead, continue on, Barry. Yeah,
0: that is, uh, that's really well stated. The, uh, a couple other things you're doing through that process when you get in early and you have, you have a buyer that's engaged and you have a disposition of helping, not selling at that point, you're trying to help them. There are a couple really key features of that relationship at that time. Uh, the way you engage them with your content should be non-promotional. You, you shouldn't be, you know, uh, trying to sell them, trying to give a lot of internal uh, language, uh, you know, directed towards them and, and pressing that journey. Let the buyer move through the journey at their pace and at, uh, at their comfort level. Uh, if you do that, they are – the trust that they have in you is growing, which you brought up earlier in our conversation. So it's a trusting relationship that comes across. And then you have to be really deliberate on when do, I, when do I turn my disposition towards more of a sale? And the buyer will tell you because they'll ask you, you know what, I'm really interested in what you're, you've been, uh, I've been reading your content, you've really helped me understand this issue and I think I need a consultant like you, tell me a little bit about your consultancy. That's the trigger to go promotional, and then you can tell a little bit about the consultancy. If you do it too cern, too, uh, excuse me, too soon, uh, the person, uh, the buyer, could be pushed away. So, and none of us like to be sold.
1: Sure. <laughs> well, and and you know, it, it would. It's a put off to me too. Even if I had the cash sitting here, let's say I had ten thousand dollars cash to do X, Y, Z, and I brought. It, I might need a consultant. I might not. But until I ask for it, I don't. I might not even have done enough research to know that it's going to cost me $8,000, right? I might've been thinking it's going to cost me $800, right? So if yeah. you go in too soon, you're just going to put them off and say, and they're going to try to do it themselves, right? That's just the way it's going to be, especially for small, that small business. So I get what you're saying. It's kind of that fine line there. Um, and you want to be able to give that company all your attention. Um, and you, you also don't want that. You don't want them to have to, to go in the hole either to, to buy what you're selling either, right? I mean, because that's not going to give you a return business if you yeah. put them out of business, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really uh, that's really great. Uh, you know, the so looking at it from the seller's point of view, what you're describing is, because not every customer is a good customer, right, for your business, and you want to make sure that they're thrilled that you're able to exceed their expectations uh, because that's your brand. So... Uh, if you take that relationship as described through the entire buyer's journey and you build that trust, the buyer is qualifying themselves as a fit for your business. And if they are able to qualify themselves the entire way through that, you know they're gonna be a good fit uh, and they're going to be happy with what, uh, with what you deliver to them. So that's a key point. You don't wanna, uh, you don't wanna if, you, if you push it too hard, um, there's a misalignment. Maybe the buyer's not a good fit for whatever services you're providing or products you're providing. Uh, they go away unhappy and now it's uh, damage to your brand.
1: Okay. So where are we at in the, in the buyer's journey then? So we, we've got to the point where, where they're kind of now coming to you saying, Hey, maybe I need a consultant like you. Um, let's now talk pricing and stuff like that. And that's, you're, you're already invested, right? You as your firm is already there with them along this journey Um, and now is where the rubber really meets the road, right? Let's say you guys come to an agreement. I'm assuming you then put something in on paper. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Correct?
0: Yeah, but I would tell you, uh, so it's where the rubber meets the road because that's the outcome you're both seeking. They need a solution. Uh, they've determined you can provide it and this is business for you, right? The hard work is already past us though. That early buyer's journey is where the hard work is put in. It's difficult for people to do because there's not an immediate return on your investment. It's a different way of evaluating a relationship, a lead, a marketing lead, a sales lead, as they move through, I'll use a term, the sales funnel, right, to you. Uh, Once they get to that point and they go, okay, uh, can you put a proposal together for me? Uh, Or can you bid on, here's our need, can you give us a bid on that? It it's almost it's anticlimactic. <laughs> you sit down, you put it on paper, and you've built that trusting relationship. And, and all almost, the while, inter-
1: hopefully, you've been to, taking notes right along this journey. You got to pay you attention to redo really it again
0: because <laughs> that might push them off. So, well, yeah. We
1: just went over this for like, last month,
0: right? You want to pay attention to all of that stuff, but uh, but it's almost anticlimactic, and the yes is it, it, the the chances of closing that business. Uh, is uh, significantly better than if you're coming in not having done any of that work. And the first time you hear from a seller is, hey, here's our need. You know, we put some language together. We'd like you to send us a proposal on how you can solve this. Okay. When do you need it by? Right Yeah.
1: Well, so I'm looking at your guys' website right now. um, And you have a great quote on here that I want to bring up real quick. Um, And it is by Elvin Toffler. Um, you've got to think about big things while you're doing small things so that all the small things go in the right direction. So I've never heard of that before. I absolutely love it. And I'm going <laughs> to steal that and start using it you're... with with credit, of course. Um, but, you know, people during all of our Smalls events, so I'm a business development director right now, correct? Um, both Dennis and myself, our CEO of the Smalls, we're both business development folks. And people ask us, The the number one question we get asked all the time, why do you guys spend so much of your own time after work, you know, lunch hours, whatever it may be, moving hours around just so you can do podcasts? Why do you spend so much time? What's the return on investment for you in your firm, right? Whatever, whoever you're working for. And my answer has been, I don't expect immediate return on investment, right? I do not expect for me to, to host a networking event or, or host podcast for whoever I'm sitting down across from to say, Hey, I got this great idea. I want to partner with you on this hundred million dollar contract. Uh, it comes RFP is due out next week. What do you say? I don't expect that. Right. To me, it's about that, that small thing about helping other people. If I can help you be connected to somebody else who then you two are able to make something happen, maybe a year, two years, three years from now, you know, you guys get bought out by Amazon or whatever and you find something new and they're like, hey, I remember who got us here, right? I remember where we started. Let's go back to Nate now and let's try to help them out, right? That's the way I look at it. And maybe it's the small town mentality of, of kind of what you and I were talking about before we even hit record on this podcast was I was born and raised on a very, very small town up in North Dakota, uh, 500 people. That includes goats, pigs, sheep, cats, dogs. Um, but the point being is you helped each other out. Even if you didn't like each other, even if you're a You helped each other out because someday everybody needs some help at some point. So um, I think those relationship building is what it's really all about. And that's what I kind of like about what your firm is doing right now.
0: Yeah. That's uh, again, well stated. I, you know, if, if you do that early part of the buyer's journey well, and you're engaging people in a helpful way and engagement can be, um, you know, creating podcasts that are helpful for, for people uh, having conversations that aren't necessarily about business, but just uh, you know, building trust, developing relationships. You can do all of that digitally. You can all do all of that with marketing collateral on, uh, on a variety of social media platforms. Uh, you can put it on your own web page as people will be attracted to that uh, because people are engaging in digital platforms to go through that early buyer's journey. And you can still build that relationship. It's not unusual, and, and I've seen it happen uh, scores of times, maybe hundreds of times. If you do the beginning really well at the stage, I like the, the example you, you gave was uh, somebody who said, gosh, we, asked, uh, we have to put the, this, you know, this project together. I think it's, this is a big deal. It's like probably $100 million dollars. You know, I had a conversation with Nate about this about six months ago. He really knows this well. He could help us build this project out. Let me contact him. Now, I, it's not about selling and buying. It, it, the, the helping of that relationship just continues right into the business side.
1: Hey, well, and Perry, I know you probably <laughs> were not born with this knowledge, right? It's you have to get through these. You have to make these mistakes. You have to, and and, and I'll, I'll I'll tell a quick story here. Um, so prior to my current role, I was a senior lead or a, a senior engineer uh, working for a company called Honeywell, a small firm, um, designing and building entire ground-based satellite tracking stations around the world. I was betting down a system out in Hawaii, one of the very first systems I did. This was back in two thousand nine, and I still remember that to this day. I would I had. You know, you try you you go to an island and you try to do business like you do here, right? So my my mentality is I'm kind of a just you know, go 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 go. You know, this is a firm face price contract. Let's do three shifts. You know, uh, why not? It's Hawaii. If the cement plant should be open twenty four seven. Come on, let's 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 just keep going. I'll work eighteen hour days wherever I can. Firm face price if I can get you know cut three months off of this construction of twelve months. That's Really good for a firm price price, right? But I very, very quickly learned, especially in places like Hawaii and Pueblo and other smaller communities, that it is seen as a huge, huge negative where if you just go in and start demanding things and timeframes of things to get done, they will slow roll you. Mm. And I remember I, I, was, I was traveling eight weeks at a time. I got a phone call, or I actually, I showed up early um, one day. It was, I had been gone for th- four or five weeks. I went back out to island, showed up, and my civil engineer on site, the, the, the site engineer, came to me and says, hey, Nate, I just want to give you a heads up. You're a construction guy you had here on site. Came in last week, Friday, and says, hey, I need to get this done. And it needs to be done now and kind of acted like he owned the place, right? Okay. In the United States, continental United States, that might work, right? Because whatever you throw money around, whatever it may be, you can get stuff done. Not on island. He actually told me he's like, "I just want to give you a heads up. You're now not going to get that for another week, even though you need it today." I'm sorry, but we've all decided as a group that you're not getting it. And I'm like, so that was my mistake, right? Putting somebody there and then not not knowing enough to give them the knowledge that. Hey, the first thing you do when you're working on island at 6 a.m., when you come in, you come in early, you talk to that secretary that's sitting there because that secretary is going to run that entire base. And you say, hey, how was your weekend? How was your family? How was whatever it may be, right? You develop that relationship. Spend 15 minutes to a half hour of the first part of your day talking to them about their day, their weekend. You're now first done to get anything done. I guarantee it. And that's not just island. That's here in Pueblo as well. I think smaller communities, that's the way it worked when I grew up, right? On the farm area, you want to get something done, you help somebody else. If You help them, they're going to be helping you in in the end. So, yeah, so that's huge, right? I mean, and I can't, I don't think people really realize that's the way the real world works until it happens to you and you make a mistake and you're like, oh, well, crap, there there goes that. I'll remember that from now on. So that was one of my stories.
0: Yeah, we, we all have scars, right? Those cycles are very, uh, are, are very valuable right? yes. in, uh, in helping us grow. You know, you raise a great point, though, which is, which is cross-cultural communications. So not only, uh, you know, if you're on a, an island or maybe you're dealing with uh, organizations in Europe, uh, you have to understand some of those broad cross-cultural communications issues. Uh, but companies have cultures, too. And so you have to understand, maybe put a little homework into, you know, if once you've identified your target audience, uh, and we, uh, I'll explain a little bit more about that in a, in a minute, but once you identify your target audience, uh, you should invest a little time in understanding the cultures of the companies that you believe are a good fit for your business and be able to communicate effectively to them. To be able to attract them, make something that's compelling for them, not for you. The biggest mistake I see are companies tend to project uh, themselves. It, that's valuable, okay, but to a deg- there there are some limitations on that. What what I refer to it as me centric, right? Mm-hmm. You go to a site and it's nothing, It's all about how great they are and how cheap they are, <laughs> whatever it <laughs> happens to be. Uh, and the customer finds it difficult to find themselves on your webpage. That's what they have to do. The content, the promotions that you, that is, a customer that you want to do business with has to see themselves in there or it's not compelling to them. So you have to really slow down. You don't want to abandon who you are as a culture. Uh, but uh, you have to slow down and understand your customer. Who is your customer? Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about strategy so far, but there are some tactics. And this is uh, uh, oftentimes uh, I get to the, almost at this point of the conversation where, <laughs> okay, I hear all the strategy. I'm in. I, I understand it, it. It sounds great to me. Now, so what do I do? Right. This Correct. is the customer saying, "What do you do?" And so there are some. There's a. Now we go to the process. You know, not the journey, but the process. Um, and oftentimes, when I talk to a uh, a client or a prospect, the first thing out of their mouth is, "You know, I think I need a web page," or "I think I need a new web page." Okay. Well, why? Wow. Everybody has a web page, right? Well, but what do you want your web page to do? I don't know. I want it to be a web page, right? <laughs> well, they're almost starting at the end. A web page is a is a distribution tool, right? So, uh, w- what I do is I I back them up and say, okay, you do a variety of things. You provide a variety of services. Uh, what are you really good at? That's profitable for you, right? So you want good profit margins. So. Going back to that uh, network security issue, right? Uh, I mean, it, you can dice that industry up into a thousand pieces. People do a ton of various things. But let's say what you do that's really good is you, uh, you provide uh, security apparatus uh, for networks, for small businesses, all right? And you can do that really good. You're efficient. You always hit the outcome. Your people are good at it. That's the business you want. So you've identified a small business owner that has an internal network that is susceptible to to security. So that's your target audience. And the profitability is key to that. You could do a lot of things, but if they're not profitable, then your business is going to suffer, right? Yeah. Uh, So the next part is you want to identify that target audience. Okay, small business owner. He has an internal network. Let's identify those people. Like, you know, uh, they, they typically wear a lot of hats, whoever owns that business. They're not just sitting in, in a, you know, corner office, like, directing things. They're, who knows what's going on in the average day? You know, if, uh, I work a lot with the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, I get somebody who has a title of uh, a research and development uh, director, right? So they do that. But, you know, they're hiring somebody, and I've got an interview this afternoon, so I'm going to be doing that, (laughs) right? And, oh, by the way, I just got noticed that the FDA is coming to inspect me. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm a regulatory expert. Okay, so those people are wearing a lot of different hats. And so that small business owner, uh, you want to be able to help them. You want to make it easy for them. You don't want to come in and demand things like that. That's a great example. Uh, happens all the time, right? They've got too many people doing that already, right? You want to make it easy for them, right? So you want to identify that person, really understand uh, their issues, okay? The next thing you want to do is say, what problem do they have that I can solve? And then if you really want to go long, better than my competitors, what problem do they have? All right, so for the case of the, the network is, I can protect their network. And I can do it better than anybody else, and I can have them up in a week with the protection and firewalls they they need. All right. Uh, the next thing you do is determine. Okay, well, when these people are researching their problem, where do they go? Are they reading newspapers, using some old models? Newspapers, magazines, <laughs> uh, or are they getting some? Uh, are they getting some industrial publications? IEEE, uh, whatever. Yep. The. Uh, where are they going online? Are they getting newsletters online? Uh, are they you know, cruising uh, one of the social media platforms looking for some help? Okay, that's where I need to be. So uh, it's not about, uh, you know, I'd really love to be in that magazine. Well, is your target audience reading that magazine? If they're not, then you're just throwing money away. Exactly, right? That, yeah. Very well put. Uh, and then the, uh, and then you want to put it in a format, uh, that, uh, so, uh, you know, that, that is, that is attractive for your target audience. So a lot of people nowadays, there's a lot of video on, uh, online. People think, uh, that it's valuable. Videos do get a lot of, uh, a lot of hits, but again, does my target audience like videos? If they're learning about a, A network security issue do they have? Are they going to watch a 30-second video on a social media platform? Or are they going to go to some, maybe a technical publication or a technical online community? All right. So you have to go through all of that thinking and then form the tactics that are going to actually be compelling and attract the right buyers.
1: Okay. So just really know your audience and and i like how you, you brought that back to when you developed that web page right what what do what does your customer mm. you have to prove you have to prove to your customer that that you have something that they need and they can see themselves working with you on that so i'm curious do you do you think testimonials is a good thing for that that case scenario or i mean what what kind of it's going to be probably different for every area you know a lot of stuff we do is DOD Department of Defense um, small business stuff like that so um, I know that they're supposed to be right DOD when when you do a proposal and, and, and they're going through and trying to pick that next contractor they're supposed to put blinders onto all of it but yeah. there's so much content out there <laughs> right now a quick Google search is going to put you into either good light or negative light yeah. so any, any uh, thoughts on that
0: well, I I think um, you know you mentioned testimonials and web pages uh you know starting with the web page um, you know everybody wants their own web page nowadays everybody needs to have a an organizational site but not all web pages are designed uh to develop business to generate leads uh so you know uh for instance uh you know you work a lot with DOD the smalls is a uh, you know government contractor USAA is a uh, is a pretty well-known insurance company. If you go to the USAA website, it's designed for current current customers. Yep. It's a portal to their products. You sign in, you pay your bills, you sign up for new insurance, you do all that. It's not meant to uh, generate leads, new business. They do that in other places. So you see advertising on television uh, that, You know that's very market-specific, things like that. Uh, banks is another uh, financial institutions is another one. Most banking uh, websites are not to bring in new customers; uh, they're to serve current customers. They're portals to the services they offer. Their marketing is having a bank on you know every corner. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> very visible. It's a it's a it's a brick and mortar facility, uh, but uh, there are plenty of people. Most, I would say, that develop their websites to generate uh, new business. Uh, I would tell you that very in the early stages of the buyer's journey, uh, people are looking elsewhere. They're, looking, they're not going to websites. They are looking at those publications, those communities, those digital communities that offer advice. It's really good to get your content into those kind of communities. And then at some point, they start recognizing that you're the one who's providing help and they go to your website. They're curious, well, boy, these guys are really on top of things. They've been helping me understand my network uh, security issue. Uh, Who are they? And they go to the website and they wanna know what you do. So you have to be a little bit more direct with the service offerings. And then uh, I like your, you know, what you want is a testimonial. Those are always very good. A testimonial from somebody who used you uh, that said, this is what they did where people tend to uh, maybe go awry on the testimonials is you want them to be specific. Uh, boy, Nate's a great guy. I love drinking beer with him on Friday. And then you put that on your website that you're trying to sell consulting services. It, it's probably uh, not that helpful. Uh, so you wanna have Come on, it's just <laughs> Nate. Everybody <laughs> wants to have a beer with just Nate. So. <laughs> So, you want to have some very specific, and there's nothing wrong with guiding the testimonial or asking the person uh, to write it in a certain way. And when you receive it, say, "Hey, can I edit it?" This would help me if I did that." And uh, almost in every case, though, they'll, they'll do that. Sure.
1: Well, I've always uh, coming up through the ranks, I always thought it was funny when when the boss would say, I want you to write your own review this year and then send it to me <laughs> and then I'll approve it. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't think that that's the way it's supposed to work, but hey, I, you asked me to write it, I'm going to write it and I'm going to write it good, right? I don't even have the wife pr- proof it, right? <laughs> so, um, No, but I, yeah, no, all that is very good information. So Perry, is there any one medium so that, that UX, that you're an expert in with your company, is there one medium that you... you fall to more than the others or something that you can't do. I mean, talk to our audience about what your typical customer looks like. What do you do for your customer? Is it, do you do commercial TV spots? Do you radio spots? Do you do podcasts? What do you do for them? Yeah. Uh,
0: So uh, our uh, internal uh, capabilities uh, lend themselves towards the strategy, helping you set up a strategy, help you build a content marketing plan uh, for your business. Uh, we'll put that all into a document for you and give it to you, and you can execute yourself. A lot of small business owners like that. Uh, or we can do parts of that for you. Uh, we can really, I can tell you, I have, I have uh, a network of people that I've built trusting relationships with, so that if you need video, I can do that for you. Uh, internally, we tend to lean towards that strategy, and then we can uh, do written content case studies, articles, all of that type of material. Uh, I seek outside help, other partners that I work with for graphic design, uh, video, audio, uh, building those commercials you're talking about, uh, all of that. It's very difficult. Uh, so this is uh, a little bit about the marketing agency world. It, you, there are some large agencies out there that do the big campaigns for large Uh, consumer corporations. Uh, Tremendous amount of capabilities. They're also very expensive. Uh, And I I don't mean to poke them in the eye with this description, but I heard it from one of them. Uh, They described it. It's a black box relationship. You tell them what you want. uh, That information goes into a black box. What comes out is a campaign and a price. And you say yes, no. Maybe so, uh, and they execute it on on uh, for you, and then you get some reports. Uh, smaller uh, operations like ours, we like to work collaboratively with our customers, so that uh, the it's the customers' program. We're an extension of their company. They may not even have a marketing department we could be that marketing department for them, marketing as a service. So, okay, a service, like a monthly yeah. subscription or whatever to help them yes. run that. Yeah. Okay. That's what we like to do. That's our that's our uh, our strength. Okay. You know? and that so that sense. lends itself to certain kinds of businesses. So we're not going to be running a campaign for Pepsi. I, but... Uh, hey, but, but if Pepsi
1: calls you up tomorrow because of this podcast, I'm sure you're going to have a conversation. I will take the call. Take, take the call, please. <laughs> And then send them my way too, right? <laughs> we need sponsors too, right? So right. um no, that's that's good information because you know when I when I when you and I were first introduced, I I wasn't thinking all the upfront, the buyer's journey. And and I appreciate you walking me through that entire journey because when I think content marketing, I'm thinking, oh well, I need something to put up on Facebook, right? I need something to yep. geofencing so that during the state fair in Colorado uh, if I'm selling cowboy hats or whatever it may be, only people at the state fair, that's all they're going to see when they bring up their Facebook as they're trying to post a picture of their, them and their family, right? Walking around. Um, obviously, that's part of it, right? But I think that's more of the end part, right? There's a lot that goes into it that I didn't realize up front. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you walking us through that journey. I mean, that's to me, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to help small businesses too realize that it's not just about that end product, it's it's about how what what do you need to put out there as an end product right because right. it's it could be something different from somebody else maybe you maybe you shouldn't be doing anything on facebook maybe you shouldn't be doing anything on on LinkedIn maybe you should be doing newspaper articles maybe your customer is that seventy five year old person that's sitting there uh that's all they do is read the newspaper the physical newspaper right so why waste money on digital media if you're you know five percent of your your market is not even going to read it. So Exactly.
0: Uh, that's exactly where it is. So, uh, you know, w- when we sit down uh, and talk to small business owners uh, or, you know, medium sized business owners, uh, normally what the, the feedback we get is I've never had that conversation before. It's the questions we ask and they're very guiding. <coughs> it's to walk them through that, you know, that strategy. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, you know, like the example of the web page. What do you want your web page to do? Uh, I I don't know. I just want a web page. Everybody else has one. Uh, Or, you know, what segment of your business, you know, when you consider all your capabilities, tell me what your capabilities are. And they give me a laundry list. Which one is most profitable? And they'll maybe have two or three. Okay, that's what we focus our marketing on. You want to drive, if you want to grow your business, you want to drive your most market, uh, excuse me, most profitable uh, segments of your business. And don't worry about the other stuff. You know, if they come in the door, that's fine, but it's not really profitable. So you don't want to spend money attracting something that's not profitable. Correct. And obviously, if you, if you have endless
1: amounts of money, right, just throw it out there and, <laughs> you know, it, it's a bound to stick eventually. If you have enough billboards and everything else, somebody's going to look at it and say, hey, I've heard of that before, right? right. I, maybe I should look into this, right? Maybe yeah. I don't even know I need it. Yeah. Um, but that's typically not the way small businesses work, right? Because you don't, you don't have unlimited funds. At least the small businesses I work with do not have unlimited yeah, funds. Yeah,
0: they're very lean. They have to be careful with every, every dollar they spend.
1: They do. So, Perry... Walk me through. So before we were talking, before we even started this conversation, you were kind of giving me a little bit of history behind your company name. Walk us through that history.
0: The Mungadai. yeah. So it's uh it 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 goes back to the 13th century in the Mongolian Empire, and it's a it's you know there's not a great deal of, uh, you know, it's not uh, Ulysses S. Grant memoirs. You know, they're not. <laughs> it's not stuff that was written in great detail. So it's a it's a little vague, but. Uh, uh, but we do know uh, several things. Uh, the Mongolian Empire at that time was the the largest ever contiguous land empire ever in the history of the world that we're aware of. Uh, they did that um, by, they they controlled that large amount of land with a military that was fairly small. Uh, we would describe it as cavalry. It was light, not very heavily armored. Uh, it was agile. <laughs> flexible, Um, they could move quickly, Uh, and the scouts that they used for the Mongolian army were called the Mungadai. Now, they didn't use the same alphabet, so that term has been morphed a little bit over time. It's transformed, but that's the closest term we've been able to come up with. And uh, the Mungadai based on the results that we can determine, the Mungadai they were strategically focused they had a strategic mindset, but they could act tactically. Tactically aligned with a strategy that they were seeking.
1: Well, very nice. So, you know what, Perry, we're going to come back after a quick break, um, and we're going to wrap this thing up. I know there's a lot of information out there, but um, I kind of want—I want when we come back, I want you to tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Okay? So, uh, with that, we're going on break. This podcast is brought to you by Chaffa, the Colorado Housing and Finance Authority. Since 1974, Chaffa has strengthened Colorado by investing in community development and affordable housing. Chaffa's community development team partners with lenders across the state to offer the financing you need to grow your business. Talk to your local lender about Chaffa's Cash Collateral Support Program, which helps small and medium-sized businesses access capital that would otherwise be unavailable due to collateral shortfalls. To learn more, visit c h f a Okay, welcome back to the Smallest Gas podcast. Um, with us today we got Perry Rarick with Mungadai Marketing and uh, Perry, you're just about ready to tell us how people can get a hold of you.
0: Sure. Uh mungadaiconsulting.com is our webpage. Um and mungadai is spelled <laughs>
1: yeah go ahead try that
0: m u n g a d a i mungadai um mungadaiconsulting.com we practice what we preach so i you know come to the webpage uh we've got a great blog uh, tab and it's full of content all about the things we've been talking about, you know, things that you can look at, help you think a little bit more about marketing and sales and communications. Um, it's, uh, I've enjoyed, you know, writing that stuff and, and I hope people enjoy uh, reading it. I also love talking to small business owners. So, you know, I, I love learning about small businesses and, and love talking to entrepreneurs. Uh, you can contact me through that website uh, and I'd love to talk to, to anybody.
1: So Perry, have you, you just kind of reminded me of something. One last question I wanted to ask you, have you done marketing for proposals for some of the bigger DOD contractors or just any DOD contracts? Like, so some, sometimes, right, you, they want to say, hey, what have you done before? There might be a marketing campaign behind that. Have you, have you thought about that yet? So
0: none of the big ones. Okay. Uh, but I have done, uh, most of my clients are either in the technology space, small technology companies uh, or consultancies uh, and the life sciences space. So in life sciences, I, it, it's pharmaceutical and medical device. Uh, there's a big uh, segment of uh, life sciences, which is very similar to, uh, to the government contracting business, which is large pharmaceutical companies outsource uh, development and manufacturing uh, activities to other companies who specialize that. Unlike, you know, outsourcing sometimes has a bad you know, negative connotation uh, means, oh, it's cheaper. Actually, in the pharmaceutical industry, it's more specialized. They're looking for somebody who can, um, who can do things more uh, in a more specialized way. So large pharmaceutical companies are very much like the government. Uh, very slow moving, big projects, uh, a little bureaucratic in their processes, and uh, my clients tend to be the small contractors uh, that serve them. Okay,
1: so they probably have to have kind of like a portfolio that they show and things like that to just to kind of help out whenever they go and if they're trying to sell to a big pharmaceutical company, I would assume pharmaceutical companies are going to say, hey, what have you done? Show us,
0: right? Kind of. Uh, they do, but actually, they do exactly what we've been talking about. So they produce a lot of content which, uh, which projects uh, certain skills uh, and experiences they have. So uh, drug development has uh, become so complicated. A lot of biologics are being produced now, uh, and uh, it, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't know how to describe any such. But. Well,
1: honestly, so, if I'm ingesting it in my body, I'm glad it's complicated. You want it to be complicated. I want yeah. it to be complicated <laughs> and good, right? I want uh, there to be checks and balances, yeah. um, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, um, Perry, is there anything else you wanted to talk to us about uh, that we haven't hit upon yet?
0: I think that's it. You know, uh, content marketing is the, uh, is, is uh, it, I would say 10 years ago, content marketing was a buzzword. Everybody wanted, give me some of that content marketing. And they produced a lot of what looked like, uh, they looked like articles. You've seen these uh, probably, advertorials. Yeah. So they looked like articles, but they were just commercials. And so content marketing, as we've been discussing, is a lot deeper than that. It needs to be really compelling, valuable content that is going to attract your target audience, so well, uh, you know the that's digital the ages
1: is doing this. you know Facebook, I think, has gotten into the content marketing market lately. Matter of fact, today, I think I just went into my Facebook setting and shut off my off browsing history, yeah. which completely surprised me, and I got to realize. That's exactly how they're content marketing to me, right? They're farming my history to these companies that, I mean, even if I go on Craigslist and search for a ATV, next thing I know, Facebook Marketplace is sending, every time I open up Facebook, it's saying, oh, things you might be interested in. I'm like, how did you know? I never looked this up on Facebook before because they're they're mining that data in the background. So yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's a weird time to be living in right now yeah. because- Sometimes obviously for businesses, content marketing is very good. Other times you gotta be careful because, right, you don't know what information is out there uh, about yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, uh, you're talking about all the uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning machine that's learning, going on yep. behind the scenes, yep. which is able to determine, uh, you know, align your needs with uh, a, by a seller, by the way. Uh, and so uh, it's good when it works. But if it's misaligned, we get annoyed. So it can be abused, uh, but it, there's, a, there's a responsibility that comes. If you're involved in that type of thing, if you're the seller, and you're involved in that, uh, and you want to do some data mining or purchase some results of data mining, there's a responsibility. Uh, and, if you're a, and if you're connected with the right buyer, it's, it's wonderful. Everybody's happy.
1: I bought from things like that before I'll I'll admit, right? I I didn't know I needed it until it started flashing on my phone all the time. And it just so happened because it was something to do with my browse history or whatever it may be. So I think you're in a great market right now. Um, for those listeners that are out there, if, if there are smaller firms and are looking at how to reach their, their primary buyer, um, if you're the seller, reach out to Perry, right? His his website again is mungadaiconsulting.com, M-U-N-G-A-D-A-I consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. So reach out, go out to their, their website. They got a great website, by the way. I love their website. It's very clean, classy, and uh, it's not it doesn't have a thousand things that don't need to be there. It's very clean. So I like to see that. Um, And and Perry, I appreciate you coming down to Pueblo. Um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast just to kind of talk about what you guys are doing. And uh, I know I've learned a lot and uh, I hope our listeners have too. So I appreciate it again for coming down.
0: Thank you, Nate. It was good. uh, Good spending some time with you.
1: I'm sure. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up with uh, Dennis one of these nights. Maybe we'll go out and have a beer, right?
0: Sounds great.
1: Okay, well, with that, um, till next week, uh, thanks again for coming on the Smalls Cast Podcast.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of the Smallest Podcast. Connect with us at thesmallest.org. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials. See you soon at the next episode.